Greetings and welcome back, everyone. It's time for Let's Talk About Star Wars with me, Garrett, and Tom Merritt today. Jenny, we might have to uh, temporarily retitle it Let's Talk About the Mandalorian. <laughs> okay, there's some books. There's always some comics. There's but, always other stuff. Right, no doubt. Yeah. But there's these things called talkies, Tom, and when Star Wars makes a talkie, it's a really <laughs> big deal. A talkie as opposed to what? The comic book version? <laughs> There's moving pictures and sound uh, it, with the pictures. With the moving it's pictures, the sound that makes it. Yeah. Actually, there, it's kind of funny that you call the Mandalorian a talkie, uh, since these episodes, especially episodes, chapters one and three, uh, don't have a lot of talking. Really, I mean, all three of them don't have a lot of talking. I mean, two I mean, had probably yeah, the most two talking. Had the most talking, but and it didn't have very much talking either. Fifty percent of the talking in episode two is done in Java speak. So yeah. yeah, and the rest is I have spoken. I, exactly. You're right. And half of this episode is this is the way. So uh, in uh, in in uh, honor of Jenny not being able to be with us today, uh, we will just leave long gaps of silence in the middle of the episode. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad idea. I, I don't think that will play very well. Uh, it'll be funny for the first one. <laughs> not so good in an audio podcast. No, no, not, not so great. Not so, just imagine something really moody and textured happening. Happening. We're silent. <laughs> Um, yeah, we could just do some like hum in the background, like ship noise. But yeah, uh, this episode really took me for a spin. I started to get a little, little, me a little quick uh, uh, meta on my life. Mm -hmm. I've been watching uh, Watchmen and have really enjoyed it. And now I think it's kind of spinning its wheels in a way that uh, the, the, those types of shows tend to do. So I'm getting imp I'm getting impatient with Watchmen personally, and so mm -hmm. I started watching this episode, and I uh, I don't watch I can't watch The Mandalorian until the evening. My wife has a has a day job like a, a more traditional job, right? So, so you're not wa watching it first thing Friday morning. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So so we watch it in the evening. So um and y'all on the internet are savages with this show. <laughs> So I stayed off of the of the social medias as much as I possibly could and dodged all spoilers about this episode. But I did see some hot takes, and I, that doesn't bother me. I don't mind people just telling me if they liked it or they didn't like it. And everybody I knew that had already seen it before I saw it were over the moon. Like, they had just seen Star Wars for the first time again. That was, like, the level of, of, of ecstatic <laughs> I was getting from my friends. Um so when I, I, I was actually uh, ignoring social media at that point because I was seeing the words Baby Yoda out of the corner of my eyes starting to show up more often. I'm like, that's not from last week. That's new watchers. I'm just not going to look at this uh, for a while. So I, I didn't get a sense of that. That's that's interesting. Uh, in, in addition to that, before before you go on, uh, I will say that Jenny did text us her impressions, including it finally got super good and Baby Yoda should be classified as a controlled substance. She is absolutely correct. Absolutely uh, when correct. she says it finally got super good, remember last last time, if you listen last time, she wasn't trashing it. She didn't think it was bad. She was just hoping for more. And I think she was it sounds like she was pleasantly uh, experiencing chapter three, fulfilling her expectations. Yeah. Yeah. And uh I, I really enjoyed the pace of the first two episodes a lot, as I mentioned on the last episode of, of this podcast. Um, so anyway, I was trying to build up this 
this idea of where my brain's at with this episode in that like I'm kind of getting impatient with other shows I watch. And so when I when I had the hype for my friends for this episode and, and I start watching it, not even when I start watching it, like for the first half of this episode, I start getting impatient. And I, I just had this moment of, oh, no, I think this show might also just be spinning its wheels in the sand. Oh, no. Like so, like it was made by someone who had anything to do with Lost. <laughs> and um, so when we got to the the hump in this episode, the halfway mark where uh, it is no longer and now looking back on it, where it is no longer intentionally retreading the, the pilot episode, I was ready to invite everyone I know that even remotely like Star Wars over to have a party for the celebration of the single greatest Star Wars property since Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> this is this is interesting to me because uh, I w- like you, uh, ha- I, even though I work from home, I have a job uh, and I have a lot to do and I don't have time to watch Mandalorian in the morning. So I wait for my wife to get back from her job uh, to watch it. And in fact, we watched it after you and uh, Jenny, because we had gone out to see a movie on Friday night. So uh, I was even ignoring your texts uh, about it. And I purposely kept them to just, oh, my God. This no, is no, they were non-spoilery, but I didn't even look. I was like, I don't even want to glean anything until I've seen it. <laughs> I, so I watched it, like, like I said, with with virtually no uh, no advanced impression about what people's thoughts were. I felt it was a, a very intentionally a reflection of chapter one. In other words, we it's like going in reverse, right? We we go back to the bar. We go back uh, to to the uh, person who assigns the uh, the the jobs. We we have the baby turned in. Like everything's going in reverse, and then suddenly the Mandalorian uh, decides after handing in his medal his huge amount uh you were you're totally right uh that he was going to get a full set of armor right because I, I i i served that up as a possibility but i yeah, was yeah i really thought that was unlikely because it, it certainly in a, in a more traditional narrative sense I, I just thought it was so much more likely that you and jenny were right on the money that it, considering how many fobs had been handed out uh that something was going to go awry yeah, but and and I also thought that it was possible that that he would decide not to turn in uh, the baby. But they did a great fake out uh, and and brought us right up to the uh, r- right up to the point where he hands it in, takes the stuff, goes and gets the armor. Like, oh, I guess that's what's going to happen. And well, then and then it starts to go from from my reflection of chapter one to be a new moving forward. Right. And that that's when he decides to just bust in and use his rather uh, sophisticated skills to liberate this baby that he has somehow developed an attachment to. We, 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 you know, we've seen it happen. We, it's most exemplified by the baby unscrewing the ball on top of the hyperdrive uh, lever and him saying that that's not a toy. And then him deciding to just give it to him to play with at the end. Like I, I felt like that was a great way of explaining this bond without having to use dialogue, which is fantastic. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a bit of a like, Oh, we're going to go to the end. We're going to go to the end. And then, 
oh, now we're going to move back forward. We're, we're going to change things. Uh, it was it was an interesting device. I, I am heartened by the fact that the director of this epi- of this chapter of this episode uh, is going to be the showrunner for the Obi-Wan series. Yes, and she and uh, Deborah Chow, and she has one more episode that she directed uh, in this series, or at least this first season of of The Mandalorian. Um, yeah, I mean, essentially, episode three, uh, Force Awakens, the Mandalorians own a new hope of, ep- of episode one. <laughs> like, it kind of harkened back to it and then went off in its own direction. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. It was really, it was really fantastic. Um, yeah, and I, I, at the end of it, um, on our second watching, once Katie had had seen the entire episode in full, um, we ended up watching it twice because Katie was sick and kind of fell asleep in the first viewing. Uh, I was just like, oh, man, I was actually right. I totally called it. But I actually <laughs> believed you, you and Jenny more, Tom, especially when you said well, I really thought he was going to build up his armor slowly throughout the story. That's right? when like, you like, mentioned like a that. progression. That yeah. was the, the cherry on top of me on board with you and Jenny. Because when you said that, I'm like, yeah, I think that's the arc, at least for this first episode. But uh, no, the fake out. But I'm really happy with it, actually. Like at this point, I'm, I'm like, cool. We're uncharted territory from this point on. Like when he at the end of this episode, I have nothing but questions. Like you and I were talking a little. We, questions we, are always better than answers. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. And Damon Lindelof, for all the criticism he gets, his criticism is that he doesn't provide the answers you want in his shows, particularly Lost. But he's very good. The reason people get so angry is he's very good at bringing up questions. And I know David Lindelof isn't involved in this one, uh, but John Favreau is doing the same thing where he's doling out answers, but then giving you more questions. And they're good questions. I have, I have very strong uh, negative opinions involving Lindelof, uh, which I will not get into on this show. But uh, <laughs> we can if we ever end up on uh, another show where that would be appropriate we can do that um so i'm not going to pick up that thread but yeah i i i like these are the types of questions i like which is just where are we going from here because this this you and i were talking a little bit before the show and you said uh, these first three episodes almost feels like a mini series like this yeah. could have been a resolution this could be roll credits we're done this is the story it feels like a, like you, if you read a short story that was about a mandalorian and a you know and a baby if you don't make it a baby Yoda, it's totally a self-contained story, right? Because it would be the this this lone Mandalorian is hired to do this thing, finds out it's a baby, bonds with the baby, decides at the last minute to go back and save the baby and then flies off into the universe. And that's the end of the story, right? That would be a perfect end to a short story. The only thing that makes that not satisfying as a whole is the fact that it's a Yoda species, <laughs> that, that it's it's like, but wait a minute, I have questions about Yoda, uh, which is which is genius. It's, it's a great first act to yeah. this season. Exactly, because they didn't. They certainly didn't didn't answer all of the questions. But I think the questions that are left would be okay if this was a miniseries to just yeah. leave as is. Because we have we have now a completed arc for the Mandalorian in just his relationship with the child uh, and and his moral compass uh, coming. And obviously, to- he's broken the code now, so there, there's there's fertile ground to to play that out uh, and say okay, but. Yes, he could ride off into the sunset and that'd be the end of the story. But we also know that the bounty hunters are not going to be okay with him anymore. He's not going to be able to get work anymore. So he sacrificed everything. He also has revealed the Mandalorian underground. 
because there's there's that kind of throwaway line of like uh, we never know where you are. There's only one of you at a time, uh, and it's and and they allude to that when he goes to get his armor. Like this is why we hide down here. This is why we only go out one at a time. Uh, and they, this is the part that I not sure I bought. Uh, and, and I don't want to say I didn't like this episode by any stretch. It's a great episode. It's the best of the three. I didn't have the overwhelming joy that you and Jenny and the rest of the internet had after watching it. And I'm like, maybe I should just rewatch it again. Maybe I missed something. But one of the things that nagged at me was like, well, I don't, I don't quite understand why all the Mandalorians came to his aid. I, well, the, the. I think because in in their mind, I mean, the, the confrontation between the titular Mandalorian and the rest of the, I missed, I, I watched it twice and I still missed the word the Mandalorian used at the, at the end when he said, we're going to have to relocate the, whatever the, the Mando version of a coven, but it's not coven. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say coven. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that is. Uh, the, everyone in that tribe, uh, that con- the conflict was because, of like where the metal came from and that in their mind, it wasn't, it seemed like a, a, a conflict of honor, right? That's, that's why the, the bruiser Mando and the act and our hero Mandalorian get into a, a, a scuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like, it's, it certainly seemed like the majority from the empire and they're like, well, there is no empire anymore. And yeah. 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 And so certainly the, the blacksmith kind of, plays peacemaker and and kind of like hey the world we live in we kind of you know got to do what we got to do but i don't i don't think the rest of the tribe bought it like it's enough for them not to murder the mando where he stands but it appears the word was covert the covert is why you're thinking coven we'll have to relocate the covert Uh, star wars loves their literal terminology Mm -hmm. for things so there you go yeah um i mean yeah they're doling out mandalorian lore slowly um, sure. I think we're probably going to learn more about why they are trying to be subtle about their existence. Um, I have a feeling it may cross paths with whatever the state of Mandalorian posts have been at the end of Rebels. So, so in other words, what you're saying is <clears throat> that Mando stealing the baby and breaking the code and revealing the covert is not a problem. They're all like, yeah, okay, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, that's they, the honorable thing, and we'll, and because yes. because you're part of our tribe, we'll we'll back you. That's exactly that's how I read it. I read it as mm-hmm. they would rather you break the constructs of a non Mandalorian guild right. that doesn't live by Mandalorian code, uh, than play by those rules for dishonorable reasons. Yeah. Okay. I'm starting to, this is helping. Thank you for the therapy session on this. Uh, because you're right. The, the, the argument was about serving the empire and they came to the conclusion that, well, you're not really serving the empire. So I guess that's okay. We, and we need to get our, our, our best guard back. Uh, then him taking the baby or the child, I guess it's not really a baby taking the child becomes more of a, but you're right. We shouldn't be helping them because they are the remnants of the empire. So I'm going to go get that child back. 
I, I almost want to say I would have liked a conversation where he indicated that's why he was doing it. But at the same time, that would totally go against the entire aesthetic of the covert. You know, they don't they don't have long talks. That that was the longest conversation we've ever seen when they got in a fight. It is like a, ca- uh, a bat cave full of Batmans. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and I ain't going to lie. When we saw all of them with their jetpacks on flying around, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's live action uh, Clone Wars. Like yes. these, my some of my favorite episodes from the Clone Wars are the Mandalorian episodes. I love the Mandalorian subplot there, and so seeing that really did uh, bring a smile to my face because I'm like, okay, this is this is pretty awesome. And, so and you know, it was it was a nice little hat tip when he's like, I gotta get me one of those. That was that was great. Also, like uh, one of my favorite movies is a Rocketeer. So just that final shot with the sun in the background, and oh, ah, yeah, that yeah. was just Rocketeer as hell. So I was just please this could be um yeah so I've, I've been really happy kind of with all of that and and i like the layers the other reason i'm kind of I, I i just i you know me i love clone wars it's like biblical the level of how much i enjoy clone oh wars gosh. and it's i mean we're, we're gonna have so much fun when that comes back for our last season oh, too absolutely um and I've got so many pitches for pre-content to that by the way at some point i'll talk to you and jenny about excellent but excellent it's I the Mandalorian arc in the Clone Wars is essentially the polar opposite of what anyone I think who was a passing fan of Boba Fett would have expected because there's we have all these little breadcrumbs of the Mandalorians were a warrior race they were the biggest badasses in the galaxy we finally go to Mandalore in Clone Wars and it's a, a pacifist state it couldn't be further away. Now we do deal with Death Watch and the uprising and the riots, right. uh, but uh, it, it, you're not meant to root for them. And I certainly didn't root for Death Watch, you know, watching it. And we we get back to that a little bit in Rebels, but it's still not that. Like it's still like I don't know. They're still trying to just save their 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 planet. And so whatever the case is, I really like where we're at here with the Mandalorian because. They're giving us what we want, but it's not ham-fisted. Like, we're getting this these badass warriors that are, are, are exceptionally capable in combat, but the reason that they're leaving the shadows is for an adorable little child, for, like, the most pure <laughs> thing you've ever seen in Star Wars. Right, and right. And I love that little added layer, and it, and it goes back to my comments last week about how I'm really happy the Mandalorian gets his ass kicked in basically every episode of this show because it, it shows that he is fallible, that he's not perfect. Yeah. And that's what I was worried about with the opening bar scene in, in the pilot. And it's the same. You thing. want him to be highly capable, which is what that bar scene establishes, but you don't want him to be infallible. Yeah. Which is something that they've kind of reiterated, like you're saying. Yeah. We're not dealing with Jedi. So let's not make it black and white. Let's have mm-hmm. layer. Let's have texture. Let's have gray areas. And that's exactly what they're giving me. And so with that, I'm very happy. Yeah, there's a couple of things I'm thinking about here that I think are really interesting. Uh, one is those those of you who are old enough remember that Boba Fett was the first action figure added after the original set, even though he wasn't in Star Wars, as it was called back then. Uh, so they already knew what Boba Fett was going to be long before the Empire Strikes Back. And that, I think is one of the reasons it's so cool that the Mandalorian subplot to star Wars has just kind of bubbled under until John Favreau decided 
hey, you know what? We could do something with this. If you want something that's not about Skywalkers and not about Jedi, you've got a rich vein here that goes right back to the first days after the movie came out. Uh, and, and, and then that made me think, well, you know, there's also that uh, connection with Jango Fett and Boba Fett and the Kaminans, and we got a much better look at the patch on our scientist's arm this episode, and it does appear to be uh, very similar to the patch that's on the clones in Kamino. Uh, so there's a whole other Mandalorian aspect there that I, I, I'm not telling you how that's going to connect, but it's more than just the idea that the child is a clone. It, it has to do with the Mandalorians having probably a grudge against the cloners uh, for, for what what they did to Django and Boba. Yeah, I believe the patch is identical to what we see. Yeah, on I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Of the clones. Um, but like I can't find I have I've looked everywhere and, and Slash Film even has a from episode two, a really good rundown of this, this of piecing this together um, because we didn't actually see the patch in the show until this episode. But there was a promotional image of the doctor character where you could see the patch. You could, uh, you could only see it in chapter one, like the edge of it right. in the actual show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so people started piecing this together and we, we didn't talk about it last week because I had straight up just not seen that, that, that thread yet. I had gone through the episode, the, the pilot episode frame by frame in slow motion to try and see his patch. And I couldn't make Jack out. So, um, but the, the patch doesn't, I can't track down any canonical, like, this is what the patch means. I don't know if it stands for Camino or if it stands for clones or specifically the clone right. project. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Definitely has something that's to do with clones. Like, that, that's why I don't have a theory. But I'm like, those pieces are there for a reason. And, Absolutely. you know, you've got uh, a, 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 Mandal a Mandalorian armor wearing guy who gets cloned to become stormtroopers uh, and his son uh, who becomes famous as the bounty hunter who brought in Han Solo. Uh, and you got Kaminans uh, who put this patch on a bunch of clones like there's something there. There's something connecting all that. Yeah. And I I am. Do not know if there's any direct uh, Imperial connection like post Clone Wars with any cloning stuff. So there's a little bit in the extended universe, to be honest, I don't even remember what it is, but they, they do address uh, what happens in Camino. And, and, and mostly, if I remember right, it's that it gets shut down. Well, that yeah, because the Empire was like notoriously xenophobic. They were right. just they were space racist against anyone that wasn't a human. So the, and, the, and there was and and we know that uh, Hux is charged with kind of continuing the stormtrooper training program uh, in his own way post the death of Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, but they do it through abducting children, not through clones. Right, and that's because cloning is no longer done. They're 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 not going to rev that up. So I I don't I don't know what part that plays in this was this scientist a Kaminan scientist I mean he's obviously not the Kamino race but was he right. employed by the Kaminans in developing the clones and and he fled to this world uh you know after they shut down the program because the stormtroopers by the time of a new hope are all just recruited they're you know and obviously Finn same way right right yeah so I'm 
I'm very curious about all of this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, me too. Bring, bring it on. And I think I think there's a very good chance they'll go into it because it's a show, not a movie. Like when we talk about like deeper, like I'm they're never going to tie Ahsoka into a numbered Skywalker saga film because it's just not going to go there because with the general Star Wars going public. It's going to be too much explaining in a single movie to explain where the hell this this Jedi came from and her ties to Anakin and Vader and so on and so forth. Uh, Man, but, I, are you watching Star Wars Resistance? No, I am. I am not. I, I, because I was waiting for Disney Plus because I just assumed they would have the new season on there and it's not on there. And I'm like, so no, they're going to put it on after it's aired. Yeah, it's like uh, I'm, I'm for some reason. I don't know why. Is that confirmed? Uh, that's what I read. Okay. Yeah. Did it say how long after? I know they didn't. I'm not um, paying for Disney Plus. I don't want to buy Resistance. Well, it's pretty good. I, know <laughs> I have it's to say, good. like, it's so much better than it was last year. Well, that, and, I mean, that's uh, not the a only high reason bar. I bring it up is when you said Ahsoka, uh, there was a character showed up in a recent episode that for a half second, I'm like, oh, is that? And then I'm like, no, it's not. She doesn't have any. Okay, well, then I definitely can wait. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. You did nothing to actually push me to want to buy it more. Um, but there's a but there's a lot. There's a lot of, I won't say anything spoilery to you, but uh, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. And, and it's it's a lot more like Rebels now than it was in season one. Thank God. The last few episodes were amazing. The rest of it was just it got it got food. pretty good at the end. It's way better now, in my opinion. Like I, I'm looking for. I used to like make myself watch it in the early part of last season, and then towards the end, I would get to where like, oh yeah, I should watch it, and I'd watch it the next day or two days after. I'm watching it the same day. Like as soon as it shows up, I'm watching it. High high praise, high praise. But yeah, <laughs> um, <sighs> I'm just really happy with this entire show so far. Uh, the action scenes this time were great. I love the escalation of it all, too, because I was just stoked with the Batman slash John Wick of systematically taking out the stormtroopers in the garrison. Yeah. Just yeah, like it's I loved, a really good action scene. Yeah, it was it, it was like, oh, we're going straight to like John Wick, uh, Netflix Daredevil town. Like the fact I was very surprised we didn't just get a hallway fight scene in a one shot. <laughs> I thought we were about to have that. Wouldn't I wouldn't bet against that happening by the end of the seats. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was like the Star Wars I've been waiting for. It was like a love letter that hit me like a love letter to Star Wars fan films. Mm, it was interesting. like, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. You're right. It was like a professional director uh, taking on uh, what we like to see out of our fan films with the gritty, dirty stormtroopers and a creepy hallway, yeah, yeah. very moody lighting. Like it was just so much more grounded than than what we get in our our, our main films. Oh, that was, that was the other thing. So we talked a little bit about uh, the allusions to the wider universe, like the roasted. Uh, I can never remember the Gremlin monkey lizard, the monkey lizard. Uh, it was cool to see all that again and have it not play this time as uh, pointing to the, the as references but because we're seeing it again going, oh, yeah, I guess that's just part of this world, right? Like, it's like, oh, yeah, they're always they're always roasting monkey lizards there. That's not like a, you know, a, a thing uh, that's that uh, that they were just putting in front of us to go wink, wink, take a look at this. That's that's just the it felt more like, oh, that's just the reality of the world. That's their street. And, uh, even 
even the door buzzer, the the job of the hut like door buzzer, and he just rips it off and throws it on the ground. It's like, yeah, I guess that's just, you know, the ring doorbell of of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a high I I, I guess it's just a higher end security system for a, for yeah. a door. I don't know why anybody buys it when it can't speak anyone else's language, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Maybe it's like a need to know basis. Like when you're when you start to get into higher end uh, jobs and work and commissions and security, <laughs> this is a, a a language you are supposed to standardly know. And like right, the local door to door Girl Scout cookie salesman, they don't know that language, so it's just like a, ah, damn, they've got the eyeballs. On to the next house. <laughs> We're getting in here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, it's also there's also just something sinister. So I like this just the theming of it, but. Um, yeah, the whole thing was good. It starts with such a great grounded fight scene, and then we move up into just off the walls, all the jetpacks in the world. And um, I, I have one thing. I have one thing to nit, nit, nitpick, and that was, right. um, oh, God. Uh, the guy that hands out all the jobs. I'm blanking on the actor's name. I love him to death. Oh, Carl Weathers? Carl Weathers. Yeah, I, I'm blanking on his character okay. name. Yeah, uh, uh, Grief Karga. Because it's the most Greece. the most Star Wars ass name in the I mean, history. How am I forgetting that? Star Wars ass names. Um, his acting in this episode seemed horrible to me. <laughs> it seems so oh, stilted. Really? Yeah, when he was uh, when he first calls in on the hologram, like while the Mando's coming in to land, and he's just like, "I don't know if they're gonna eat it or." But it was like this guy has n- like there was just no character to that line delivery. All right, I'll give you that. Like I I don't have any problem with his his performance the rest of the episode myself but when they did that hologram i'm like wow that that read as a video game cutscene performance not, not a his, tv show i can't remember exactly what bothered me. something irked me about him in the cantina as well it kind of just felt like he was just it going felt like you were emotions. getting your next mission for the game you were playing yeah like, it felt like i bad. don't know if they're gonna eat it but what you're gonna have to do garrett is go down and collect these 10 yes. uh, cards I, make I'm, sure you kill all the witnesses i i have a personal theory based on nothing and it's probably ageist that older actors just don't know how to deal with green screen <laughs> so I don't uh, know that that's true, Garrett, <laughs> as an older person myself. Uh, and green screen's been around for quite a long time. Seems yeah. like Alec Guinness did just fine with green screen. So <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know. This is like because I grew up. With Actually, Carl I, Alec Guinness worked on blue screen. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's the green. It's the color. It's the color. That's yeah. thrown him. No, it's just because I think of Carl Weathers as like Predator and everything was pretty. Yeah, practical yeah, there. sure. Um, but like. Yeah, the back half, I thought it was fine. Like his whole standoff with the Mandalorian with all the other bounty hunters uh, yeah, by the yeah, arch no, was, was great. Good. But, uh, and him popping up at the last minute, uh, that was a nice little that was a nice little touch. Yeah, it just something about it felt like bad. <laughs> that that hologram scene, no, you're right. That struck me as a little off, too. Yeah, I was like, what? why? Why is this so bad? That's the take you went with? Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they added it in later and he had to rush to a VO booth to do it or something. Maybe. Yeah, it just it wasn't really, on his game. Just, just struck me as odd in a really well executed show so far. But yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was my one. Like, uh, I have a grief with grief Karga. That was it. Nah, that was it. I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. So, yeah. Where do you think we go from here? Like, that's the big question at this point. No idea. Right. Well, I like, mean, clearly, obviously. If you're going to continue the story, they're going to be pursuing him because they want the package. Yeah, because grief isn't dead. So the bounty, the guild is mad. Right. Uh, and I would just assume 
while there were an alarming amount of bounty hunters on this one in this one village. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's the, it's the bounty hunter village. Is that why? I, I, I don't guess know. so. Like it felt like this is where they all go for work. So there, there was no one in the cantina that wasn't a bounty hunter. Like, when well, the it's, it's like a biker out. bar. You know, there's no one in the bar. that's not a biker. This is the bounty hunter bar. Wait. So him stealing the child is the equivalent of the scene in Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure when he knocks over all the bikes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. I think that's a fair analogy, to be honest. That's Wonderful. actually pretty good. Great, great. I'm glad. I'm glad we we had this moment. Um, so, so the guild is definitely mad. My, I think what is to be revealed is the extent and reach of the client's uh, pull. Like how many Imperials right. are still under his command? Because I uh, I took it really. I put I took the number of stormtroopers and the pilot extremely literally. I thought he had four stormtroopers, and that was it. And that was it. And so in this yeah. episode, when a lot more stormtroopers showed up, I was like, "Oh, I probably should have assumed that." Uh, yeah, I assumed there was a garrison that he had command of when the empire fell, and whoever was stationed there now works for him. Yeah, but like we. If you've been spoiled by trailers and whatnot, you know Giancarlo Esposito is going to show up later and is also Imperial. And are mm-hmm. they are they connected or is that I, I was kind of hoping for some inner Imperial rivalry because this is post fall of the Empire. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, whether Giancarlo Esposito's character works with Werner Herzog's uh, the client or whether he just uh, is also after the child for his own reasons, that will be interesting to discover yeah that's kind of where my my brain's at is but we would assume some imperial remnant is also not going to be yeah so so that's interesting because what i was going to say is we'll probably have an active and a passive pursuit the active pursuit will be from the client but maybe that will actually cause other active pursuits from people who are competing with the client to get this maybe that's why there were so many uh of the uh, pagers. <laughs> what do they call them? Uh, uh, fobs. They just straight up call the them fobs. fobs. There were so many fobs because maybe the client isn't the only client looking for the child, right? Maybe somebody else wanted to get him too. Obviously, someone else wanted to get him. That's why the child was taken in the first place. So maybe Giancarlo Esposito has to do with the compound where the Mandalorian first found the child. Uh, so there will be active pursuit from one from one or more uh, uh, quarries there, one or more uh, corners, and then we'll have passive pursuit from Grief Karga and the bounty hunter system, which is to me that'll be they'll just put out a bulletin saying if you see Mando, uh, you'll get this much for for killing him, and so wherever he goes, he'll be being chased, but also have to be on the lookout for bounty hunters in the area that might identify him and go after him. Yeah. Another minor thing is I'm curious, how the hell do these fobs work? Like is, is the child low jacked? Well, I wondered about that too. When they all went off again, I was like, Oh, maybe you should like examine him uh, and can get that out of him at some point. Because the the way the fob works in the pilot is, is straight up a tracker. Like he, yeah. he, he, he found the single door the child was behind with the fob. Right. So, so, the, so there's something in the child that needs to be taken out so they can't track him anymore. Otherwise, this is going to be a real short journey. Yeah, but the, the show kind of makes it seem like that standard process. So it's like everyone in the Star Wars universe lowjacked with a bounty chip just in case they make someone oh, no, angry. I thought the, 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 the uh, fobs went off again because of the child. 
Well, I'm sure, but also didn't he have a he had he like in the pilot he hands in like four or five fobs. Oh right, he no, you're right. He, he does. All the he does. He slams down a bunch on the table. Yeah, yeah. Good point. So that's why I'm, I'm like, it's. I know it's a minor thing, and I should probably just let it recede into the background. But my mind wants to know, like, how are you going to explain do, this? If you can get them, try. Like the child makes sense because he was probably lowjacked in the laboratory before gonna, he was. Yeah, I'm very you know, much on board of this child was genetically engineered. Yeah. Whether it's technically but a clone, how it would work for others. You know, you can't go around injecting everyone with a trucker. You just you'd have them. Yeah. And I'm sure you'd figure out in a, in a universe as technologically advanced as Star Wars uh, how to remove them. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Yeah. That's 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 the thing in the back of my mind that's irking me. But it's uh, mostly irrelevant. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just uh, kind of anxious to go on from here. I hope we see more of the doctor. I love cowardly Western medical practitioners it's one of my favorite yeah. uh tropes and i was kind of disappointed the, the mandalorian didn't take the doctor with him i was pretty sure uh he, he was gonna like the he was gonna like remove the baby and the baby was gonna start to get sick and, uh-huh. and, and in a uh-huh. moment of panic he's like well you're just coming with me to keep this child alive and it's still a possibility that he will encounter dr pershing again and and need him that's good that's a good call yeah but other than that, I'm pleased as punch. I don't know yeah, where we're necessarily too. going from here. I, I, it's definitely going to be a different planet. I'm all for that. Yeah. Well, that's that's the the great thing about this is we'll be going we'll be going to more of a wider world, and I expect it won't be like Endor or Tatooine or you know it'll it'll be no won't even be Jakku. I'm going to guess it'll be somewhere new. Yeah, I think it's really good showmaking because as you said yeah. this almost feels like an ending in its own way this is the first week where i am content to wait to the next episode because i feel like i had enough of an ending and yet i i am definitely really excited for the next episode but the, Ooh, but episode, i wonder if we're gonna have trilogies although there's only eight episodes so that doesn't oh, really fit mathematically. oh i didn't know yeah. that that hurts i know i know that stings Ooh. also Disney Plus, not enough original programming. I'm going to unsub the second I am caught up on The Mandalorian. Here's a little bit of a spoiler from IMDb. Pedro Pascal is listed as being in all eight episodes. Carl Weathers, Werner Herzog, only listed as being in two episodes. But that may be because we don't know if they're going to be in the other episodes. But Jawas listed as being in seven episodes. <laughs> God bless. The important... <laughs> so- Give so the we're people getting more Jawas. If people want Jawas, give them Jawas. What yeah. do you think the uh, the time to Ewok is? Uh, season two. Season two, we're going to see an Ewok? Yeah, you save, you save that. I'm kind of That hoping. becomes too much if you put an Ewok in here. Yeah. Wookiee, maybe. I can see a Wookiee. Ewoks don't get off planet. They're too primitive. We've played with Wookiees before, but the, I could see like post- the Battle of Endor, Ewoks. Be, oh, you know, that they started slowly. to travel and see the world. Yeah. They, they, I've seen a few yeah, people yeah. around uh, hung up on the idea of Jawas being anywhere other than Tatooine. And I'm just like, that doesn't bother me at all. They're scrappers. Yeah, dude. no. I mean, Jawas aren't. We we never established that Jawas were native to Tatooine. Uh, there's plenty of people living on Tatooine that aren't native to Tatooine. Yeah. I, I mean, don't I, even know that Tusken Raiders were native to Tatooine. I mean, I get it to a certain degree because they do seem fairly primitive, but. Clearly they're they're smart enough. primitive they're, they they like fix robots <laughs> I, I guess it's a good point i guess it's a good point like i said doesn't bother me that much but i, I do kind of under there's something they just seem slightly less smart 
than all the vaguely humanoid. That's what they want you to think. Aliens. That's how they win all their negotiations. I mean, we learned that they are formidable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what would have really helped in that sand crawler fight is a jetpack. I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, now that I'm looking at this, it's Kyle Pacek credited as Jawa in seven episodes. Does the Jawa that he attacked go after him? <laughs> is it going to have a vengeful Jawa? I think they're probably just using the same creature actor for. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. For but I like the Star idea of vengeful Jawa. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, oh, man, because I, I hope we eventually start building a crew. And at some point, I want a, a murderous Ewok on that crew. <laughs> I really do. I want them to address the fact that I want Ewoks, an Ewok that's constantly trying to eat human flesh. Yes, and Mandalorian has to stop. Yes, him. they eat humanoids. And yeah. I want a show to address that fact. Yeah. Don't eat the child. <laughs> what if the child tries to eat the Ewok? Cur- yeah, I, don't th- I, don't, I don't get the idea that the Yoda race is, uh, eat, is hungry to eat Ewoks, but you never know. Well, at the moment, it's trying to eat everything. We've seen it eat a frog. Well, it's just children. You're right. They, um, they, 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 they stick everything in their mouth. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Well, wonderful. Well, if you have any... Uh, we're not doing week-to-week emails because there's just so much to kind of digest with each episode of The Mandalorian. So may, probably not best to send in in-between episode theories because by the time we get to them, we will have seen all of The Mandalorian. I mean, you can always just send them with the idea that they won't be read on the show and we, we love to read them. But if, you're, if your aim is to, to get them read on the show, then yeah, you're, that's probably not. Yeah, that, that is fair because we do, we do check the inbox. So um, unless it's something very, very short that you think we can uh, fit into an episode. But anyway, keep the emails coming. Feedback at Let's Talk About Star Wars dot com. If you like the podcast, head on over to Patreon.com slash Let's Talk About Star Wars. That's how you can support the show. We Indeed. Very we much. Every red dime that you give us. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so before we end this, uh, Mr. Tom Merritt, where can everyone find you? Tom Merritt.com, of course, uh, and freetomnewsletter.com. If you want to have a conversation with me uh, about what's going on, I, I send a little note out about what's been happening in my week, update people on my writing, links to all my podcasts. That's freetomnewsletter.com. And I'm Garrett Art on Twitter, two R's and two T's in Garrett. I trust you know how to spell art. Everything else is over at amove.tv, this podcast, Into the Nexus for Heroes of the Storm, The Angry Chicken for Hearthstone, if you're Blizzard game fans, all sorts of other stuff over there as well. Check it out, amove.tv. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Let's Talk About Star Wars. Uh, No idea what the heck is going to happen with Thanksgiving on the horizon, but we will do our best to get an episode four episode of Let's Talk About Star Wars out as soon as as we possibly can to the release of the episode, but it might be a little bit later than this week because we're going to be sleeping off some turkey. Mm-hmm. Until next time, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I have spoken. 